2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul, verse 1, apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. To Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but power and love and discipline, or some translations say a sound mind. Paul writes this second letter to Timothy, which is going to be one of his own last books before he goes on to martyrdom himself. This is an apostolic father nearing his departure from the earth, writing a very important letter to his apostolic son, who's also going to be nearing his departure, both of them departing at the hands of persecution unto death. And he starts off his letter by saying, I am sure of the sincere faith that's in you that was laid in you, not by the apostle, but by your grandma and your mom. They laid in you the foundation of a sincere faith. The foundation stone of Christ, even in this letter, to describe all the things that are coming that are terrible. Second Timothy has all kinds of things in it that the church is going to suffer, even in the last days. And Paul talks about his departure being imminent and, and how he's even in need of things like a coat and the parchments. And Timothy is going to provide this for him and help him on his journey out. Why is this important? Because the call of motherhood, because of the call of motherhood to instill identity and to shape destiny in young men and women is massively powerful and oftentimes overlooked and misunderstood. What you're seeing in my life the little work that I've been able to do in these last 35 years came about because I have been blessed to have mothers. I've had three brilliant mothers pour into me. The first one, obviously, is my own mom, Ann Delgado. When I was newly saved, she somehow discerned that there was something unique going on in my life. And so her and I spent lots and lots of time together. And we prayed and we read the Bible and she spoke to the identity that lived in me at times when I couldn't believe it myself. I couldn't see it. I couldn't believe in it because the persecution against that calling was so great that that I felt like at times I was going to collapse under God calling me to do something I didn't know how to become. There'd be times where out of the blue, she would just call me and she'd say, Tommy, I need to tell you this. God just spoke to me about you. She still does this to this day. And it'd be things I needed to hear right then. Had I not heard them, it wouldn't have gone well. We would stay up 
all night till the sun came up with our Bibles, the two of us. Just going back and forth in the Word of God. We did that for years. What was going on there? Somebody in my life saw something at times that others couldn't see and that I couldn't even see, but she refused to let go of and kept speaking to it and speaking to it and speaking to it and dealing with it, saying, don't give up, be a man of God. Don't give up. Answer your call. Do not fail the things of God. You will do this. And at times her voice was very strong. She rebuked me. But mostly she loved me and encouraged me and prayed for me. God gave me a second mother in the life of Virginia Soltzi, Andrea's mom. And her voice was very different than my mom's voice. She didn't really challenge me a lot and rebuke me, but she saw something in my life, and she constantly spoke to it through another voice of soft and gentle encouragement, but it was always ongoing. And she somehow found a kindred spirit in my life. And very early on, when I met Andrea and I was just dating Andrea, Jenny received me. And I used to spend time with her. We'd go to the ocean, her and I and Andrea, to their house, and I'd bring my guitar, and we would worship God, and we would talk about the things of God, and she was very sensitive to know when to give me things, and she'd come to me and say, I feel like the Lord told me to give you this tape. And I remember one time, it was very special, she'd given me several music cassettes because she was a, a very ardent worshiper herself, and it was the Kent Henry tape, Glorify Thy Name, one of the first Integrity Hosanna tapes. Here I was the musician, but my mother-in-law was out finding me music because she was a lot hungrier than I was at that time about it. And I remember she gave me this tape, and I plugged it into the cassette, and I listened to it straight for about three or four months, and I never took it out, and I listened to it several hundred times. And the Spirit of God would come upon me in the car to the point where I'd have to pull over and I'd just raise my hands in the car and I'd be weeping under the presence of God. I later went on to become friends with Ken Henry and he imparted many things into my life, but my mother-in-law opened that door for me. Or she would give me a book. Or she would come to me and quote a scripture and say, I was praying for you and I had this verse. There's a season where Every Christmas, she bought me a purple shirt. <laughs> and after I'd received several of them, I began to wonder if God was trying to tell me something. The color purple is a color of royalty. Somehow she saw something, and she constantly nourished it. But then I moved to Missouri because there was a day where I had to join the Apostolic Fathers, and Timothy had to leave his Lois and Eunice, and go off with the apostles and start traveling around the world. But just in case I thought I didn't need moms anymore, God made sure to find me one more. And lo and behold, we moved to Kirksville, Missouri, and there was a woman by the name of Sherry Smoyer. And it was like I left moms and walked right into the door of another mom. When we left Fresno... We packed up all our kids and drove to Missouri in 1995, 
not knowing what would become of us or where we would go or what would happen. Imagine if you're a young man in his early 30s and you have a wife who's pregnant and you have three kids and you load them all up in a van and leave everything you've known and drive 2,000 miles to a city you've only been to a few times to start over with no employment, no money, nothing, no place to live. All you have is a word from God. That sounds really hard until you realize there's a Sherry Smoyer on the other end of the line who has a home waiting, a basement all built out and furnished, food on the stove, but most importantly, a prophetic word in her mouth and an anointing in her hand to say, come in here, Timothy. Let me work with you for a while. I was really glad that all of my moms got to know each other. <laughs> There's a painting that Andrea's mom painted for Sherry that hangs in her house. Sherry and my mom are good friends to this day. I'm the product of great mothering. I believe in these words. Timothy had a sincere faith because moms had imparted to him the kingdom of God and had taught him. Mother, in this house, future mothers, you have no idea of the power that lives in your words, that lives in your hands, that lives in your spirit, that lives in your calling. You have the power to shape a man or woman of God living in you. You have the ability to forge on the inside of a young person a powerful identity that can go and give themselves for the gospel, for the things of God, anywhere in this world. It lives in your anointing. It lives in your design. It lives in your ability. Mary pondered all the things in her heart that were said about her son and was sure to get him there to his destiny. Motherhood brings a powerful ability to the table that's very different than fatherhood. Fatherhood also brings identity. And fatherhood brings discipline. And fatherhood brings order. And fatherhood brings opportunity. But motherhood shapes the identity and the calling and affirms who people are and builds it up through constant care, constant nurturing, constant love, constant patience. Because they see something in that little boy. They see something in that little girl. They see something down in there. They're the ones that carried them in their belly for nine months. They prayed. They waited. They thought about it. They see down in the child something no one else can. That's why even people that are hardened criminals in prison still love their mama. And still want them to come and see them and bring them stuff. Why? Because the sentence that came from the judge didn't see anything. And the cruelty of the wardens and the cruelty of the inmates at the prison can't see anything in that person. But mama can. Are you here today? But mama can see something down inside that boy. Mama can see something down inside that little girl that no one else can see and fights for it and speaks to it. It is a powerful tool, a powerful thing in the hands of God to bring about identity in a young person. Even Merle Haggard had the sense to write a song called Mama Tried. <laughs> Mama tried to raise me better, but in learning I denied. That means no one but me to blame because Mama tried. Mama believed. Even the country western singer knew that. 
And the reason it was a hit on the radio is because society at the end of the day knows that. All of you that are young men and women in here, I pray that God gives you and surrounds you with godly mamas, and more than that, that you have the sense to know it when you have one. When we moved to Missouri and we walked into Sherry Smoyer's house, we left our house and walked into hers, I quickly realized I was not alone, and my wife was not alone, and that God had given us a mother and a father in Larry Smoyer. And we had left our moms and had received a mom, and where they left off on the daily basis, she picked right up and held my feet to the fire. And she said, you be a man of God. And whenever I began to not be one, she'd say, God spoke to me about you. You need to get back over here and get a hold of God. There wasn't very many people in the church that could talk to me like that. But she could. And if she didn't hear it, my mom would call me. <laughs> say, Tom, you need to be a man of God. Now get back over here and be a man of God. Don't be that way. Then if that didn't happen, Jenny would buy me a purple shirt. And she'd say something. <laughs> and I'd walk away going, oh, God, I heard that. And she would say the most gentle thing, and she didn't even realize what she was saying, but I did. Remember who you are and do it. The second point I'd like to make, that motherhood is a calling regardless of whether you've had children or not. The apostles believed that. So Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 says this, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ we might have asserted our authority. But we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. The apostle says there that they took on the nature of motherhood at Thessalonica when they brought the gospel to them to nurse them into life. What do you think about that? Jesus goes on to say, we won't look at the verse, but in Matthew 23, that he would have gathered Jerusalem as a hen, a mother hen gathers her chicks if they had only listened instead of killing their prophets. Motherhood is an anointing. Jesus said he had it. Paul the apostle says they lived in it. See, why are you using the example of men? Because it's a big deal. If the apostles that wrote the Bible recognized that motherhood was an anointing, and said they even operated out of it at times so that people would be nursed into the gospel? What does it mean for the women of God? How many of you would think that motherhood could be a calling whether you've actually had a child or not? Come on now. I have little Avonlea, 
my granddaughter, she's one and a half. She likes babies. And she wants to hold the babies and play with babies. Why does she want to do that? Whenever Nora, my other little granddaughter, comes to my house, she wants to get the babies and brings them to me. Baby, baby. My grandsons don't want anything to do with babies. It's cars, trucks, and weapons. But my granddaughters, baby, baby. Karis, my daughter, from her very youngest waking ability, loved babies. Remember that, Karis? What is it? Why do little girls want baby? Because it's it's something God put in them. I guarantee you, Avonlea and Nora have not had a baby yet. And when Karis was a little girl, she had not had a baby but loved babies. And anywhere we went where there were babies, she wanted to hold them, even being a baby herself. There is something working there. I have seen young girls and young women who are not married have a deep affection for children living in their heart and want to care for them. There are some back there right now working with kids. There's a single woman I saw walk out the door who has not had a child who passionately and deeply loves your children and gives her life for them every week. What drives her to do that? There's an anointing for motherhood, just like there's an anointing for fatherhood, whether you're a father or not. There's an anointing for motherhood that nurses people into the gospel and into the things of God and sees the value in them and says, that is worth giving my life for. Hallelujah. Are you with me on this? If you are a young woman today or an older woman, the call of God of motherhood is an anointing and it's working in you right now if you'd let it. And it can shape young Timothys. It can shape young men and women. One of the most powerful tools in the kingdom of God is that of motherhood. Mary knew way more about what was going to go on with Jesus than Joseph did. It was Elizabeth who carried John, who felt the baby leap in her womb. Her own husband doubted and couldn't speak. Come on, there's a dynamic tool whether you're a 14-year-old teenager or a 60- or 70-year-old woman, those two women gave birth to the move of God that has changed the world. They were anointed, and the vessel of their motherhood shaped John and Jesus and launched the New Testament era out of the wombs of two moms, a young girl and an older woman. They carried a dynamic power that changed the world through what they were able to bring to bear. Motherhood is a powerful anointing. I pray that every... Young woman, older woman, middle-aged woman, every woman in here would touch the dynamic of this and realize that whatever you have gone through in life, you have not forfeited. You have not lost it. It is still in the earth. If you are alive and walking around today, you can still shape people into the things of God. If you still have breath and you can still hear God's voice, there is a dynamic calling working as a nursing mother tenderly caring for children so that the gospel would be imparted to them. And listen now how the apostle says that there, that you had become very dear to us. Imagine going up to a group of guys at the gym saying, you know, you've all become very dear to me. It wouldn't work. If I came down to the men's prayer meeting, I might get by with it. 
But the voice of motherhood can get away with that all day long. Moms can say stuff to you that no one else can. Man, when I used to get in trouble with my mom, a whooping would have been better than the disappointment I saw in her eyes and the pain that I knew I caused her by being a rebellious son. It worked on me in ways that wounds would have been easier to deal with. Can I just get a spanking? Nope, you're going to have to look at me cry and realize what you've done. Not just to me, but to yourself. Think about it. It's an anointing that has deep affection. becomes very dear to us. And then finally, motherhood can be redeemed. There's a book in the Old Testament called the Book of Ruth. And it's really a great story of the redemption of motherhood. So to give you a little bit of backdrop... There's a woman by the name of Naomi and her husband, Limelech, and their two sons, Malon and Chilion, that left Israel because of bad times, and they went off to another country of Moab to seek their fortunes. So Malon and Chilion took for themselves wives, women of Moab. One was named Orpah and the other named Ruth, and they lived there about 10 years But disease and famine came through the land, and Naomi's husband died, and so did her two sons. And all three of these women were left childless, husbandless, with nothing. And so Naomi says to them, I have no more children to give you. I have no more sons for you to marry. I'm too old to do that. Go back to your gods. Go back to your parents' houses. Go back to where you came from and see if God will give you something. Orpah does that, kissed her mother-in-law, kissed her sister-in-law goodbye and left. But Ruth, the Moabitess, said she would not do that. And she said, no, in verse 10 of chapter 1, but we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Return, my daughters, in verse 12. I'm too old to have a husband. Then in verse 14, they lifted up their voices And Ruth says in verse 16, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So Naomi is this mother who's lost everything, and all she has left now is this young girl, Ruth from Moab. But there is something in Naomi's life that nurtured something in Ruth, where Ruth said, what's transpired between us out of your motherhood for me has been greater than what you understand. And it has so formed an identity change and so formed a wholeness and a life inside of me that I would rather die with you, my mother, then go on and be without you. I will go to your people. I will go to your gods. I will go to your land, and I will die there. But may we never become separated. And so they returned to Israel. And in verse 19, when they came to Bethlehem, the city was stirred. And they said, is this Naomi, the women said. And she said to them, do not call me Naomi, but call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? 
Naomi had become very bitter. The word Mara means bitter. She'd become very bitter with what she had lost. And so if motherhood carries a great ability to bring identity, what happens when you bring that and it doesn't work? If motherhood has the ability to be a great calling, whether you've had children or not, and the people you've ministered to don't respond and end up dying in something or being lost, what happens then? Are we tempted to become Mara and say, the Lord has dealt bitterly with me and is my motherhood over? Sometimes Mother's Day can be a very difficult day to deal with because the temptation to be condemned, the temptation to feel the loss suffered, things we could have done better, identity that we wanted to give that somehow we couldn't get across, a calling or anointing we feel strongly about but don't know how to live in, but feel very convicted about. And then we look around and we can think, my name has changed, something has changed, and all the hope and the promise I had didn't seem to pan out, and now I feel empty and bitter. But the book of Ruth doesn't end that way because God redeems not only Ruth, but redeems Naomi, and her motherhood is restored and honored in Israel because God redeems motherhood if we'd only believe. And Naomi didn't believe it when she returned, but in due season, Ruth met the promise of God and a man named Boaz. They were married, and lo and behold, Ruth's grandson is a little guy named King David. Talk about redemption, where we get Jesus. Naomi thinks it's all lost, but God sees King David, King Solomon, all the way through down to Jesus, all the way down to you. Talk about the redemption of motherhood, not to mention Sarah having a baby at 90 years old, God redeemed motherhood in the Bible over and over again. And this is the last point of the message. The Spirit of God is still redeeming motherhood. I have met so many women in my life who are tempted to be bitter, who are tempted to feel disappointed and to be accused of something. And the thing is, we might have done some things wrong. I don't know that they all made the good decision to move off to Moab. They died there. Maybe they should have stayed because they had to go back to where they came from because they prospered there. That was probably not a good decision, and they suffered great loss. But even though great loss had occurred, God brought it back around and made them full again to the point at the end of the book, Naomi's standing there with her grandson, fully restored, living in the promises of God. So the idea today is, is you carry a great identity gift and a great ability to impart to people as a mother, and it's a calling whether you've had a child or not, and then finally God redeems motherhood if we feel like we've lost it. The Lord today does not want us to leave as mothers in pain or empty or in agony, whether we're a mother-to-be, whether we've been a mother and we feel like that didn't go well. Maybe you're just a young girl with the anointing of it and don't know what to do with it. But God is here to give the substance of heaven 
that motherhood is a gift and an anointing and a calling that's real and tangible. And God is a restorer. I feel like I'm crying out against a heavy lie of hell that wants to destroy motherhood and condemn it and remove its voice and remove its power so that future Timothys don't arrive. And instead, they're lost to fathers or the world, to things that don't think like God or see the things of God. But a mom can stand in the gap and say, hold on, we're not going to lose it just yet. We're going to fight for our legacy. We're going to fight for our calling. We're going to fight for our future. We're going to fight until there's no fight left. We're going to go until we're gone. We're going to hold on to the end. But the devil would like to come along and say, what's the use? Too many mistakes have been made. Something's been lost. What can be given back? It's what Naomi thought, but God had a different plan. I know we're meddling deep in people's emotions right now, but if there's no hope in God, then where is there? If it's not here in the house of God, then where do we go? Today in my life, hear the voice of a son, hear the voice of a brother, hear the voice of a father calling out to mothers and daughters, be what God made you to be. And this is just for free. Be careful of movements that are going on in the world that want to strip away the identity of femininity and remove its voice so that on the other side of the loss of that identity in women, we don't have sons. Can you say amen? I want to say that again. The attack against the identity of women in the feminist movement if we're not careful, we'll remove an anointing and calling so that we don't have sons and daughters. Because if the women don't do what they're called to do, then who will? And no matter what the government says, they're never going to be good enough to replace the mom. Amen? We want to honor all the mothers. We want to honor the call of God and the grace of God on your life. Today, I would ask God to help us and to heal us and to minister to us, to cause us to see what lays in our heart and what lays in our hands and lays in our grasp right now, to help us see what we have while we're waiting for it to be manifested in the natural, what we can do with the people of God that we have with us as women. If you don't have a child yet and it hasn't come about, God wants to use you today in the spirit of motherhood. And then finally, to restore the broken. My dear sisters, we need you today. We need you to be everything God's called you to be. We need you in full strength and full power because the hour is already late and the children that are coming along are so without identity that they don't know who they are or what they are or where to go. And the voices that could tell them the devil is, is trying to take out. And the voices that would tell them the enemy is trying to take away. May we come back and answer this call with great ability. Because the future is waiting and is at stake. While I don't put the responsibility fully on you, I do say this. The help is within you. The ability is within your hands and within your voice whether it's as much as prophesying over someone and speaking to them or giving them a gift 
and reminding them of who they are not to quit or receiving them into your home, whatever is in your hands, may God send you Timothy's. The future. Any woman that heard this today, you don't have to. But if you said, I identify with this, Lord, anoint me again to be who I am, whether I'm a young girl or an older woman, whether I need to be restored of pain or I need to be given hope for the future. If you could stand, if you want to, and just lift your hands before God, He's coming to meet you right here. I can't go into it all, but I had a a pretty significant God encounter this morning to say the things we've said today. I had a completely different message planned. God woke me up early in the morning with a dream about motherhood that rocked me to my soul. And I knew this was what he was doing. Lord, may that anointing right now come into this room in the name of Jesus, coming upon women right now in the name of Jesus. I rebuke every voice of accusation everything that breaks confidence, everything that steals the future, everything that causes us to recoil. Lord, take it away in the name of Jesus. God, we give to you right now every disappointment and every loss. We surrender it in the presence of God. Lord, we ask you to come and restore that which has been broken and to come and to heal that which has been wounded. Lord, we put our trust and our hope in you in the name of Jesus. I I confront the lie of the devil and the voice of the enemy that would try to take you out and say that your motherhood is over. I rebuke that voice in the name of Jesus. And Father, I ask that your power would begin to come upon women right now and begin to restore us. every place of condemnation be healed in the name of Jesus every young woman looking towards the hope of motherhood even in your own life but not living in it yet we speak to the hope of God living in you and I thank you Father that you are coming to put your hand upon them right now and to say that all that you have, I hold. And God, that you have not forgotten us. You have not forgotten my sisters today, the daughters in the Lord. You have not forgotten them. Oh God, come and restore their hope in the name of Jesus. And we rebuke the voice of the adversary who says that he would cut off your future. Lord, I thank you that their future is in you. And that the call of motherhood can live in them now. In the name of Jesus. Lord, that the light to it and the fire would come upon it. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, that they would take the young men and women, the boys and girls, 
teenagers and begin to shape faith in them and shape the gospel and shape righteousness and shape truth in them so that when these men and women grow up, they live in integrity and carry something beyond an American moral standard, but they carry a kingdom moral standard that gets its righteousness from God and not from what people think down the street. God, pour your power upon the mothers. The name of Jesus. God's really moving on this right here. Just another moment. Lord, I thank you that you're restoring what society has damaged and the thinking and the understanding of people about motherhood. Prepare the pathways of some big decisions. And these women, Lord, that the call of motherhood is going to trump the call to make money at times. The call of motherhood is going to trump the need to be important in the eyes of others. For every single mom that struggles to make things work and to make ends meet. Oh God, give them a double portion today in the name of Jesus. Give them a double portion, oh God, in the name of Jesus to sustain them and to help them. Oh, we cry out today that you would come and meet them in Jesus' name. Lord, then finally, every mother Let them understand the power they carry to bring identity. Lord, right now I pray that they could see what this looks like in their life, what their hands can shape, what their words can heal, and what they can build into the future in ways that the world would say isn't very important, but in God we know otherwise that the future hinges on this ability and this dynamic. Restore what's been lost. Restore what's been broken. Fill us, Lord, with your spirit. I just want to pray this last prayer. Lord, is there as great enemies against motherhood arising in this day. Lord, we're also asking that in the kingdom of God, a great call of motherhood would arise. A great anointing and examples all around the world and every culture and society of motherhood would begin to arise through the power of God, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, of people becoming conformed to the nature of the Son of God and leaving behind the nature of this world leaving behind dead arguments that go nowhere and have no meaning and embracing the Word of God that they are restored in the presence of God to become a God-given design so that we can have a future so that there will be future Timothys and future leaders and future men and women who can carry the things of God in the earth. Lord, come and bring restoration and overthrow the lie of the devil that would try to remake women into an image that Bible never said they are, that you never created them to be. Lord, bring motherhood back. 
the calling of it, bring it back. The honor of it, bring it back. The ability of it, bring it back. We stand against the onslaught of hell that would try to destroy this place of motherhood in the earth. Oh God, bring us around. Make us whole. In the name of Jesus.